love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Happy New Year and welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadaski. Alyssa, we've been away for two weeks and we have so much to catch up on. How has your break been? Uh, my break's been good, but Haley, it is crazy because, you know, I mean, we talk every single week of the year just about, right? There's very few weeks when we miss each other. And usually if we do, it's because there's a race or something else that's like really all encompassing. And so it is wild. To, it feels like I've gone so long without catching up with you. Um, so I'm glad that we are back in action here in January 2024. Um, the holidays were were good. I mean, they time just goes so fast. I feel like it's so cliche to say that, but it really does go by in the blink of an eye. And um, yeah, but I think, you know, I capped off the, the holidays today with a swim. I told you, you know, I asked like, please can we record a little later because my pool doesn't open until 11 and I have 100 by 100 to swim before we record. So I capped off kind of the holiday extravaganza with a 10K swim, which was personally very exciting for me. It is, I'm like just shy of four months post-surgery and I can count the amount of times I thought about my knee in the water today for those three hours and five minutes um, on one hand. So it like was not front of mind for this. It was really nice to just feel like I was kind of back to some kind of normalcy for a bit here. Um, and so I feel like I've been starting 2024 off at least on the right foot. So, um, so that's exciting, but tell me, that's, well, what before, before we get do? into mine, I want to say, talk about this hundred one hundreds. This is a very, yeah. very traditional triathlete way to celebrate the new year. Uh, I have done in the past, not recently, my pool is not open today. I'm very jealous of you, but, uh, how do you break this up? Did you just do like a hundred, one hundreds, like straight all on one, one interval, just swim? No. And I see people posting that that's what they do. And I just, my mind is like, poof, like there I've swum hundred by hundred quite a few times and there's no way I could ever like. I mean, I guess I could, but I love that my coach, Hillary Biscay, she writes like it's one of her favorite things in the world to do to give the gift of like a set for this. And so she writes some really creative workouts. And so like today I did 10 warm up that was like easy on 140. And then I did um, 15 like band to swim. So like I would do hundred band only then 75 band, 25 swim, 50 band, 50 swim. Oh my goodness. Band, You're taking the swim. band on and off during the hundred. Yeah. So you, I mean, you stop for like a second at the wall, rip it off, stuff it in your suit, depending on, or like throw it on the wall for the 50 and 51. Um, but it's, and then you just do 10 seconds rest on those. Cause obviously it's like a little more variable with like kind of the movement of things. And then that also seems good that your knee is handling you kind of, uh, ripping a band on and I know. <laughs> yeah. Cause for anyone who isn't familiar, you know, this is another very traditional triathlete tool that, uh, triathletes love is a band around your ankles, uh, while you swim, making everything a little bit more difficult as we are, uh, apt to do. Yep. Yep. And then I had a big set of 36 by hundred, swimming, um, with like 
you know, a ladder kind of of three on 140, two on 135, one on 130, and like a few little variations of that. And then um, a big pull set of 30 by 100, same kind of set, like just getting a little bit faster because I can swim faster with paddles. So, you know, I got went from 135s down to 120s on that. And then, so that's like almost 85 or 90 on those. And then I had like some social kicks and snack breaks like built into that. So throughout like those what big kind of snacks, what kind of snacks did you eat? So it was actually very exciting for me to also be doing a workout where I got to fuel it because I haven't done that in a really long time. My workouts have been like shorter and just not like, you know, sometimes I'm, well, I am still eating like when I do a bike or something, but also I feel like this was the first time I really needed the calories on the workout, which was exciting. Um, and I actually did all spring energy today, um, their gels and some of their drink mix. So that was, yeah, that was how I did it. It's just simple on the pool deck. Cause I feel like the gummy stuff in the pool, it like gets a little wishy-washy when it gets wet. And so the gels, you can just rip them open and, and have them really fast. Um, and I actually swam. So Haley, I duped two friends into this. So my one friend, Megan, she, um, swam 54 by hundred and then, um, had to go right back 54? to her kiddos. So oh, yeah, it's like 2024 had... and, but couldn't quite do a hundred. So like 54 is kind of close to 2024 or like there's close. a, there's a four. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was mostly limited by like childcare hours. So she swam as much as she could. And then my other swim partner who had only swum, she thinks maybe 4,500 at the most before jumping into this workout um, was Olivia Jaris, who you would re remember. Oh, yes. um, as I met a... her in Pucón, Chile. Like, yes, it was like six years. No, six or seven years ago. 2017. Yeah. Uh, and January we had 2017. her on the podcast, um, I think, to talk about her book at that time and um, like salary negotiations and like women's like for women and how to do that and stuff like that. So she. Um, yeah, she lives near me and swims at the pool I swim at. And so she did, you know, she did this send offs and then she just used different toys. Like she would wear fins a lot when it would get too fast for her and things like that. So I do love this kind of workout because you can kind of make it amendable, you know, like if people are up for using toys, then um, paddles and fins can go a long way to like equalizing swim speeds. Right. So, um, so it was really fun. And it's, it makes it so much more fun when someone is doing their first hundred by hundred because it like, you know, gives everyone the motivation to like keep getting through it when things get really rough, which I feel like they always do in this. There's like that period of time from 70 to 80 where you're like, is the end ever coming? But you made it. I, I love that Olivia was there with you. I was thinking about Pacone and meeting her because that race is happening this weekend as uh, the race season happened, you know, kicks off. No, 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 like running start. We just like jump right in here. Uh, three hours and five minutes. Is that what you said? The yeah. total time? And we got so like our lane shifted at one time and we definitely weren't like pedal to the metal. We took our snack breaks very liber liberally and chat breaks as well. Um, so you yeah, know, it, it, seems was, it was nice reasonable. to like get through it and not be rushed and not. Yeah. Was that your longest like bout of exercise since your operation? Yes. Yeah. It That's definitely awesome. Was. Congratulations. Yeah. That's very I'm, exciting. And my knee feels good. I am ready to go to bed here like shortly after recording, I think. So <laughs> That's another great tired. way. Another great way to start 2024. But congratulations on that. I, I stayed in Montana during the holidays and unfortunately ended up very ill toward, uh, the end of 2023, I caught a stomach bug and 
Um, so I'm very excited today that I did ride. I rode three hours on the trainer and I was, I'm super psyched about that because it just felt really good finally. And I actually watched the uh, Ironman documentary that just came out. So they, they had a documentary on outside watch and it combined the men's Ironman world championship in Nice with the women's Ironman world championship in Kona. And it is close to three hours long. And Whoa, it's that long. I didn't realize it was that long. Yes. I think, I mean, I think that maybe is one of the benefits of having it on outside watch versus on NBC. Like it has been in the past is that they were able to make it a lot longer, tell more stories and show more people that we know, including me. Um, I made a few appearances, which was very exciting. You know, who else is on there a ton? Sarah Gross, our feisty CEO founder and Mara, who is uh, also now into the feisty family. Both of them did an incredible job really adding context to the women's race specifically and and just how special that was and how important it was to have our own race and i just i was in awe of everyone racing both races both the men's race in nice i think seeing get getting to see some of the scenery in nice and seeing how the race played out in nice made me excited for the women to race there in 2024 but watching that race in kona again was was so cool. It was so, so cool. So it was really, really fun to relive that. So if anyone hasn't watched that yet, I I highly recommend it for your next trainer ride, or if you just want to sit and watch about Ironman for three hours. Oh, that's really fun. And so how are you feeling? And Haley, I feel like I, are you heading, are you racing coming up soon? I feel like, yes. Are you, are you heading to Disney? Because I I realized that the, the, Disney races are this week. I thought it was always the second week, but no, it's, it must be the first weekend of January. And I yeah. like thought to myself, as I was driving to the swim today, I was like, holy moly, I think Haley is racing. And I think, didn't you sign up for the dopey challenge? I did. Yeah. So <laughs> if you had asked me like two or three days ago, I, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't even walk my dog. Um, but I'm, it, you know, I've, I've come back around and I know my body pretty well. And I am... I've been planning to race the Dopey Challenge, I think, for several months. I mean, these are races that we had. We had Carissa Galloway on the show, who was a run Disney race announcer, like almost a year ago. And And she was an announcer at the Ironman World Championships this year. Yes, exactly. And and she talks about how, you know, there's this culture around run Disney racing. And I have never experienced that. And I have several friends and athletes who love the run Disney races and Disney. And I'm like, I need to go, you know, learn what this is about. And so my good friend, Shelly, she is turning 40 this year and decided she wanted to do the dopey challenge to celebrate. And when we were signing up, it was one of those things, like it gave me flashbacks of, of trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. I think the process is very similar. And I was just like, there's no way we're going to get in. There's no way. It was like sometime last summer. And I was just like, oh, there's, you know, no way. And then of course, like we both get in to the dopey challenge. I think she was like on a conference call, like texting me and she's like, just go big or go home dopey. And which for people who aren't familiar with uh, the run Disney races, the dopey challenge is a 5k, 10k half marathon and marathon on consecutive days. So the 5k is uh, this Thursday, (laughs) the 10k is Friday, the half marathons on Saturday and the marathons on Sunday. And, um, I mean, and and then the other cool, exciting thing is that my sister actually got in. And so she is going to be racing. And so we are kind of going to go and experience these run Disney races for the first time, experience Disney World 
it's a lot of new things. I'm excited. I'm feeling up for it now because I do feel like it's going to be a little exhausting. Am I in tip top marathon shape? No, <laughs> no, I'm not at all. So I I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about some of the shorter races. I think, um, you know, I'm going to see how things go. And I am very lucky. I got my bib number, Alyssa, and I haven't run a road race in four years since the Olympic trials in 2020. And I, I just haven't run many standalone road races. And so when you enter these races, you do need to put in a time. So I actually put in my Kona marathon time from 2022. And oh, I was like, okay. if there's a, if there's an Ironman marathon that I might consider, I'm like, maybe that one. And I think they did. It looks like I'm in like a corral because I was, I'm like, am I going to be a, you know, pack womaning, um, yeah. this race, which, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to see how things are, are going and how I feel and, and we'll see how things go, but I am going for the experience. I've also come up with four costumes that I'm excited to show off. I'm afraid that they are very ambitious. That was one of my plans for last week was actually to test them out. And instead I, I didn't. <laughs> So, um, there's nothing like doing everything new on race day. I mean, we'll see how this goes. I just tell myself the chafing can't be worse than like doing an Ironman in the rain. Right. True. True. Okay. Now Haley, maybe Lydia, my, our expert editor, Lydia might have to help us out with this. Hold on one second. It's going to take me five seconds to get this. I have a surprise for you based on this. Oh, oh, I can't believe I didn't put this together until now. One of the activities Haley, I did over our break was go to Disneyland. Okay. I thought I saw on, <laughs> on social media that you were at Disneyland. I'm like, and how look at this cool. I would have, what is that? oh my gosh, if I had thought about you doing this two days ago, I would have like put this in the mail today. And now I don't know how I would do it. And I also don't think this is really conducive to an idea, but it would have been funny to send to you. So this was a receptacle that I bought popcorn in when I was at Disneyland at my sister. My sister lives in LA. And so she took me to Disneyland the day after Christmas. And it was the first time I had been to Disney. I had been to Disney World when I was young, like maybe, I don't even know, like young, young. And so like, not, I don't know, six, we'll say six or seven. Right. And so I hadn't been there in ages. My sister Leah loves it. She now goes like fairly regularly um, to Disneyland. And so I got popcorn while we were there in this like purse thing, but it has like a strap and it's wow. like, so for our listeners, maybe they can pull this clip and show this on our social media, but it's really cool. It's very durable, but I would have mailed it to you and then said like, you have to wear it for one of the races and put your gels in here. Right. Oh, that could be a good place. I mean, it might, it looks a little ambitious for running with that. I don't know if my <laughs> costumes are quite that, that level, but um, what a cool souvenir. And what did you think of Disneyland? I, I mean, everyone I talk to loves the places, you know, Disneyland, yeah. Disney world, everyone comes out of there happier. It was really fun. I mean, I, people that know me know I hate crowds. Like I hate being around a lot of people. I'm just like, I don't really love like, yeah, I just don't love fighting through crowds. And there were moments in Disneyland where we would be walking and all I would see is like this sea of people, but it was like con very controlled, happy chaos, you know, like everyone for the amount of children that were there, I will say people are, I heard like very few sad screams <laughs> from kids, right? People are in good moods. It's like everyone's kind of like the flow of it just works, which I think is part of Disney's thing. Like I think Disney has been engineered to 
work really well for that amount of people. Um, so for someone that hates crowds, I actually did not find the crowds to be an issue at all. Um, I will say we did have like the genie passes or the fast passes that you can use. So we did get to use that on various rides, but it's like, definitely investigate that ahead of time because there's rules that go along with that. And like, you have to kind of think through your route for the rides a little bit more, but, um, but I had fun. Like I really enjoyed, I realized I'm like way more fearful than I was when I was a child because it's like roller coasters are scary to me now. I still love to go on them, but I get very scared. And then, um, it was, I didn't wait in line for any of the characters or anything like that, but it was a really good day. I mean, that was actually the biggest day I had been training in PT, um, for Disneyland. Like that was the thing my PT was getting me ready for knowing it would be a huge day on my knee. And turns out that as an adult at Disneyland, you can like take a break, have some chicken fingers and a beer for an hour or so, like, you know, in the afternoon, let your knee reset and then go back out. So it, as an adult, it was, um, it like exceeded expectations. I will say. I love hearing this feedback. And I mean, we celebrated your 100 100s as this endurance feat post-op, but actually Disneyland was possibly an even bigger uh, post-op endurance uh, achievement. So congratulations on that. And you're making me more excited. We are going into the parks after the 5K and 10K. And I feel like these might be like famous last words, you know, because it is these races start. I mean, the like it's like you get in your corral at 3.15 a.m. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get early entry into the park at 7:30 a.m. And so it's a fascinating experience I think in, in energy management over 4 days which isn't something I have a lot of experience with because I am used to more like single day events. But I'm excited to navigate this with some friends and and I will say Shelly is our Disney coordinator. So I am thankful for that. Like she has taken care of all the logistics. There is zero chance I would have been able to do this. I mean, I can handle races and I can handle, you know, Iron Man. But as you mentioned, the genie passes seem like a total next level. So I will be following her lead, uh, celebrating her birthday and hopefully, you know, riding a few rides. I get a little bit nervous about myself in motion sickness, especially given the nausea I've been dealing with recently. Uh, so I will not be riding Everest during the marathon. I know that is a thing. People ride the Everest roller coaster during the marathon. During it. Whoa. Yes, but I think it goes backwards. Oh. And this is something I even mentioned this to my coach, Matthew Rose. And he said, he's like, no, you should do it. It's so much fun. And I was like, doesn't it go backwards? And he was like, yeah, but it's worth it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You still have like several miles to run after that. And <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how things are going, but hopefully I'll have a lot of good stories next week. And I hope I get to meet a lot of, you know, new endurance athletes in a new part of the sport that I, I haven't been familiar with previously. Yes. Oh, this is such good news. I'm very excited to hear about this all next week. And I will be, hopefully you'll be posting Instagram since you won't have to do a lot of the logistics, post some updates for us on Instagram so we can see the costumes, see the outfits every day. I am. I have like a very ambitious social media plan for myself. And <laughs> I, it was one of those things that like, I'm like, I'm going to do all this. And then I'm like reminding myself I'm going to be waking up at like 1am every day. So I am just like, okay, but I'm, what else do I have an opportunity like this? I will do my best. Exactly. exactly. Uh, well, so fun. I'm glad to be back in 2024. We are kicking things off with some really fun things. It sounds like, and uh, we do, we do have a great interview for our listeners this week. Yeah, that's right. This is uh, 
we're going to, this week, we're going to talk to Mashonda Miles and Mashonda is a light so bright in our sport that she often goes by the name Mashonda Shines. She is the host of the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, the MC of USA Triathlon's Endurance Exchange Conference, a race announcer, a triathlete herself, and she is on a mission to make the sport more inviting for beginners. So Alyssa, since I listened to your conversation with Dr. Candace Brown from late last year, and I actually took her survey about her research around the motivations of triathletes racing Kona, I have been thinking a lot about what gets and keeps people in the sport. So I asked Mashonda about her start in the sport and what kept her going. And she answered with the, the feeling that she got from the sport and how training and racing for longer distances helped her overcome personal challenges, as well as just the lifestyle. She loves the lifestyle. So Mashana told me about how a chance encounter at work led to her first triathlon experience, how she trained for her first Ironman during a year filled with personal challenges and immense grief, and how crossing that finish line at Ironman Maryland in 2021 was a win, despite her coming across the line just 17 minutes after the official cutoff. Mashonda and I geeked out about the podcast host life as she told me about the backstory of Try Beginner's Luck podcast, and she offered me a few tips on how veterans, like like us, can be more welcoming to beginners in the sport. Uh, it's an especially important topic this time of year, so I'll have my full conversation with Mashonda Shines right after the break. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from get, getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year. And I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like it's definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the Try Hard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co. Hi, Mashonda. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Thank you so much for having me. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I am curious as we start this. You're also known as Mashonda Shines, and so I'm really curious what what's behind that name. Oh, that's a good question, Haley. Mashonda Shines has evolved from uh, just being the light and shining brightly and not dimming your light for anyone. Um, in my past, I used to kind of dim my light around others to be comfortable and to be kind of in the mix. And so I think it was around 2013, I was reading this passage that says to be the light of the world and to shine brightly and to be salt in that flavor. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I am built to shine brightly for others, but also to empower them to shine as well. So that's where Mashonda Shines comes from. 
It's a great name. And I love how you use it as the host of the Try Beginners Left podcast. And so before we get into podcasting, because I could geek out on that all day, I'd love to start talking about your own triathlon story, because I think you started on a relay in Atlanta and I happen to love Atlanta and relays. So can you share that story? Absolutely. So I think um, I just happened to be working out. I used to work at Turner Sports and our CNN building had a pool. And so I was like, okay, let me just swim. Cause I have always loved swimming. I grew up as a swimmer, but of course with black girl and hair, that's not something that you just always do. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get back into swimming. And Leslie Tux, who was also working out, we took spin together on one campus. And then I would see her at the swimming pool on a different campus. And she was like, Hey, I'm celebrating my birthday. Would you like to come and be on a relay team? And I was like, okay, cool not really understanding fully what was about to happen. So I was like, okay, sure, I can swim. I had never opened water swam before. When we got there, I was like, oh, people have bikes, people are running. And I was like, where am I? I didn't know. We were swimming in Lake Lanier. And if you are from Georgia, you hear a lot of the stories about Lake Lanier and it being a bottomless pit and people drowning. And so I was like, I'm supposed to swim in this? And so I just did it. And that was the start. And when I got out and saw people in transition, now that I know it's a transition, uh, I was like, one day I want to do that. Moved to DC in 2011 and uh, had a membership at the YMCA through my dad and continued to just go to the gym. And one day I saw that the YMCA had a triathlon team and I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. So this is my opportunity and signed up. And that was kind of like the start of my journey. What race was that at Lake Lanier? Do you remember the name of it? I wonder if I was even there. You probably were. I don't know. It was in 2009 and my memory is a little hazy, but I think it was August, September. So whatever triathlon was happening in there at that time, that's what I was doing. Uh, I I have no idea. I just know Lake Lanier. And I almost tried to Google it. I was like, Michelle, you should really find out this. So I'll get back to you on that. It's shocking sometimes how hard it is to find the results from those old races. Cause you think it's like, oh, this is going to be on the internet forever. And then I'll try to find stuff for myself. Cause I, I started the sport around that same time in Atlanta, uh, have swam a few times in Lake Litter myself, have heard all the stories. <laughs> so, um, we we're yeah, survivors man. though, in that respect, but got us into the sports, but it is shocking. Sometimes I'm like, I thought everything on the internet was forever, but sometimes it isn't. <laughs> you have to like well, write it down. <laughs> no. And Truly think about it, like around that early 2000, I would say before 2010, things I think were still being transitioned to the internet. You know, people Mm -hmm. were still transferring files and really getting up to speed. So a lot of stuff is just not there unless you're a historian and you just keep those art as artifacts. But a lot of things aren't. We didn't have the iPhones or I didn't have an iPhone then. So I was still on the like T9 flip phone. Uh, So so in DC. Yes. Yeah. That was if you were fancy, but, uh, but you were in DC. So probably we're on the Blackberry life and you had this group at the YMCA. Is that kind of how, how you were able to put it together, get, get on the bike, find out where to ride? Because I think that is something that can be a big hurdle for people getting into the sport. So I think I need to back up a bit. When I moved to DC, I really didn't still understand writing or anything like that. And I think the YMCA was very it was a catalyst for sure. So the Why Try team uh, has this program for newbies where they teach you to swim, bike, and run. If you don't know how to swim, they'll teach you how to swim and you can bike. But the biking is usually done in a spin studio. And then they start outdoors. We have an outdoor season. 
And then from there, the running, you run with your run group on a Tuesday or Thursday. And so in terms of riding, I hadn't, hadn't ridden a bike since I had fallen down on a bike when I was a child. So to get back on a bike again and to learn how to bike again was a brand new experience for me. And I didn't own a bike. So one of the coaches at the time, Liz, was like, hey, I have a bike. I think we're the same height. Let me let you borrow my bike. And she outfitted it and everything. And it had the dual flips, the dual pedals where you could clip in with SPD and then had a flat side. So I clipped in for the first time, felt a lot. I felt a lot. But um, in terms of like just learning, I had to relearn everything from scratch except for swimming. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it is for a lot of people. I, I fell, I remember a lot. I think I still fall. Don't tell anyone, but what, what kept you going? Because I know that since then you have raced a lot of races and you've done some longer distances. What was the appeal once you, once you did get going, once you got more comfortable on the bike, what kept you going in the sport? I just think the fact that I loved it, the people, and I love the feeling I got as I trained and had the opportunity. When I first started, I was starting a business as well. So I didn't have the opportunity to do multiple races in a year. I only could do one. And so racing a lot for me was not really the full notion. So I did one race a year for maybe two or three years. And then at one point I was like, okay, I can do two or three, but it was a steady build. And I just enjoyed the feeling that I received. But I think it was in 2019 where I was like, oh, oh, this sport is inexhaustible. Like you can always find a place to tap into to get better and continue to grow. And so I just remembered at that point for two, in 2019 that I wanted to be more of a lifelong journey. And so I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And I'm one person, I, I don't quit. So once I get into something, it's like, I'm always trying to figure out how I can improve. And it's really about a self-discovery improvement for myself than anything else. And I think you grew up in Augusta, Georgia, and you did return there to race the 70.3. What was that like to race the 70.3 in your hometown? It was emotional. It was, a, it was a lot of things. It was exciting. It was emotional. It was great. I got to ride by some of the places like my family. We have a family area that you ride down on 56. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's where my great, my, where my great grandmother lived or my grandmother grew up, uh, where some of my family live. Our family land is there and being able to travel. Uh, let my dad, my dad was able to catch me on a couple of the courses. My mom was able to see me on the course. That was also the race that I finished with a fifth metatarsal stress fracture. I'm like all these races, I keep getting like injured or something catastrophic happens, but I still keep coming back because I know it's good for me. So being in Augusta in the hometown was definitely an amazing experience that I will always treasure. I know that you also raced Ironman Maryland in 2021. So what drew you to that longer distance? What didn't drive me, you know, drive me to it. It's like you, you want to race, you want an opportunity to see what it's like at every distance. And I think in 2021, I didn't decide to do the race until a little bit later. Like in my mind, I was training for it secretly, but then I had a lot of um, unique experiences happen in 2021. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I had started Try Beginner's Luck that year. And then in March of that year, my brother died by suicide. I come back home to a place that had flooded and mold and mice had infiltrated my home. So I didn't have a place to live. So I wasn't really sure I was going to even be able to do Maryland. And so that particular journey, even getting to Maryland was 
a stretch, but then getting to Maryland and a lot of the challenges that I had to experience in Maryland, I'm just grateful that I got to the finish line. It's a unique story behind that, but I finished not in the quote unquote time frame that's warranted, but those 17 minutes to me are just the ones that I, I got sick due to jellyfish things. Um, my GI system was all over the track and I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to continue to go because I think every opportunity that I get to try is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And I'm not the sum of my failures, but it makes me stronger. And so, you know, even though it wasn't the outcome I wanted, it's the outcome I think I needed because it also saved me. That training saved me from picking up, say, drinking a lot. You know, I was able to focus myself and attention on actual training, which gave me something greater to look at and to deal with the grief as I was training. It's very impressive how, how sport helped you in that way and helps a lot of us in that way. And I, I haven't been, I wasn't at that midnight finish, but I have been at other midnight finishes and everyone who comes across that line, whether it is at midnight or a few minutes after midnight, they are Ironman finishers. I mean, I think there's not a single person in that crowd announcers, anyone, um, I mean, I've even been there where people were like, okay, here's your medal. That was amazing. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. And so who cares what the internet says <laughs> on that tracker, but, uh, um, but you did, you did chronicle your Ironman Maryland journey. You did a pre and post race podcast episode. I and I know how difficult and vulnerable that is to, to record a stress session like that. I think I've actually only done it once because it's really scary to, especially the post race because you don't know how it's going to go. And you're so hopeful before. And then you're like, there's always the part of me that's like, am I going to have to come back here and talk about this? And you did, you went there and you were really vulnerable. Can you, can you talk about that experience? Just recording all of that. And do you appreciate it more in hindsight? Vulnerability. I think we only can grow when we are truly vulnerable and tell our truth. I am always going to speak my truth and I'm always going to be as transparent as possible in the moment that makes me feel most comfortable. I am grateful that I had Maria Simone recording me and asking me the hard questions because she had been a part of the journey from the beginning of 2021. And so she knew how hard it was for me to come. And to be honest, I felt like a failure. I, You know how you know that you are you are trained and you're good for something and you know you're going to go out there and just crush it and you know it? But yet the day hands you something that you you overcome it in the moment, but it wasn't good enough to get that goal that you had been waiting for for so long. So I felt like, dang, how did this happen to me? All that I've been through this year, this was the one thing that I needed and felt like I wanted. However, it wasn't the one thing I needed. It was the one thing that I needed to propel me. I should say it's the one thing I needed to propel me to never quit and to always go after my dreams, no matter what the circumstances around me look like, there's always going to be opposition facing you. There's always going to be something to get you to not go after your goals and your dreams. What are you going to allow to stop you? And so in that moment in Maryland, when I had to literally crap Every time I saw a porta potty, porta potties were so full. Porta potties were at this point very disgusting. Mm-hmm. Having to, you might have experienced this. You do some things that you 
did I just really do that to myself? And then people are around you looking at you and you're like, you're already feeling embarrassed and humiliated. And I remember my, um, my super Sherpa Tina, who uh, was like, look, we're getting to this finish line. Do what you got to do. We're going to turn our backs and we're going to keep going because at this time it's late. Things are shutting down. And my new, my, my, I couldn't hold down anything. Like anything I put in my mouth literally came out, whether it was liquid or solid, it came out. But it taught me that I'm stronger than I think that I am. And a race doesn't define me. It is just a moment in time. And so now I know that I can do the race. It's not that I can't do it. It's just how to manage the circumstances to the best of my ability and to get better in areas in which might be my shortcoming. Like I'm not a strong cyclist at at that moment. I wasn't, and I wasn't a strong runner. And so those are areas where I'm like, okay, you got to improve. And so you get a coach, you work those things out so that you can improve over time. Those GI issues, like I said, I've I've been in this sport long enough to, to have a few stories of my own. And the only thing I will say is that when it doesn't happen, it's a much, much different experience. <laughs> and, um, you know, and you're like, wow, that was a lot more fun, but there is something to be said about getting through that. And it has yeah. made me feel like, like there's very little in life now that can embarrass me <laughs> and, and stop me. Like you said. Absolutely. And I want to be, you know, mindful, like when I did that race, because I had experienced everything that I had in that year, I wanted to give back. So I raised money through Ironman Foundation because I wanted to give back, especially to that community where black and brown kids didn't have a lot. And so at the time they were giving things back into that community. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about me giving back to others while conquering a goal or a bucket list item that I've always wanted to achieve. And I think you did, you did achieve it and you did give back to that community. Those goals were accomplished. I am curious about when, when podcasting came into the picture, I know you're about to start, I think your third year of the tribe beginners left podcast. And how did it get started? I think the pandemic really just kind of helped. I was modeling and we're in 2020. So in the end of 2020, I was sitting you know, just kind of thinking like, well, what am I supposed to do next? Because that year we couldn't model on air. Well, my particular agency took all of the models off air. And so I was like, I just lost all my income. Like, oh crap, what's next? And so I just remember sitting and I was like, okay, I love, you know, triathlon, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept remembering how I'm still a beginner at so many things in the sport. And I was like, well, okay, just had to stop why don't we do something on beginners? And I was like, no, nobody's going to want to hear about that. Fast forward, I was asked to be one of the MCs for Endurance Exchange. It was still virtual. And Rocky Harris during his state of the sport address said, you know what we need to do? If this sport is going to grow, we need to focus on beginners. And I said, this is where I'm at. And that was confirmation for me. And so I took that confirmation and just ran with it. And just that's how it started. And we are now here almost, we're almost at a hundred episodes. We're around, around 93 right now, but we'll be there before the end of 2023. And so what about the name Try Beginner's Luck? What, what kind of thought went into that? Not a lot, <laughs> not a lot of thought. Um, I had this thing was like, okay, beginner's luck, the luck part through a lot of people and, uh, 
my inner circle who I was talking to at the time, they were just like, uh, you want to do something with luck in it? You know, luck can be seen like this or that. And I was like, absolutely. I'm one that will skirt boundaries a bit. And I was like, you know, trial beginners luck is what we do. Whenever we try something, we're just trying it. We don't know what the ending is going to be. And I remember being on a ride when I modeled, I modeled a lot in the Philadelphia area. So I was on the Schuylkill River Trail training and I ran into these guys uh, at one of the stops. And so I ran with them and rode with them. And uh, somehow I ended up going up Maniac Hill. And if you know about the Philadelphia area, that hill in the Maniac area is just just dumb, uncontrollable, like just steep hills. And so we went there to, to refresh at his house and his wife uh, came out and we were talking and I said, you know what, you're creative. Let me pop this idea to you. Shared it with her and she was like, huh, that's a very interesting name. She's like, but I like it. And then I had like a little mock uh, logo and showed her and she was like, ah, this is not, the, this is not it. And then just kind of played on it. And I knew that it needed to be try beginner's luck based off of my response. I got 50, 50 response. And I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna try it on what I want. What is it that you want Rashonda? And I wanted to go with try beginner's luck. So there it is. I love crowdsourcing. Uh, I do that with a lot of things and, and sometimes, yeah, you get mixed replies, but then it's, it's good to just get the, the idea out there. Was it hard to get guests at first for a brand new podcast? I think hard is relative. I wanted to talk to coaches, athletes, beginner athletes, race directors, announcers, triathlon media. I wanted to talk to industry leaders because I think if we break the sport down from every level and then tell the person's story on top of it, then we would have. So what I did was start with people I knew. Uh, I reached out to Rocky and he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, he said, yes. Oh, okay. And then I reached out to race directors that I knew. Um, I reached out to, I think, Joanne Murphy. She was on my first episode, Sika Henry. And I just reached out to people that I knew. And then it just grew from there. And then people kept saying yes. And so I'm always honored when people say yes, because you're right. Why would they say yes to me? Why should they be on my podcast? Somebody may say no, and it may not be no because they don't know me. But then when they meet me, they're like, dang it, I should have. Why? And I'm like, it's okay. I don't hold it against you. But it's a good opportunity to say that you just don't know why people say yes. But because I'm kind, because I am gracious with my time with others, I think I get that back in return. And how about recording? What's your recording setup like? Are you doing it at home? I mean, that's what I do. I'm always just curious about recording and do you do your own editing and make your own graphics? This, what you see, what you're hearing is where I'm, I record. I do everything here. Or sometimes I used to do it on the road when I was traveling. I will take my equipment with me. Um, do I do my own editing? Yes. For the podcast, I do my own video editing, my own audio editing. I do not do graphics. I can. It's not my strength, but I do have an amazing person who does help me with that. Shout out to Sarah Truitt and uh, shout out to Maria. That's my team as of right now. And so whether they continue to stay with me or not, they are the ones who have helped to launch this podcast. Right. And you mentioned video because I think you're, you're launching on YouTube recently, right? Yes. So we're on YouTube. We've been on YouTube, but I think I'm more publicizing it a little bit more as I'm getting better with my editing skills. So yes. That is, I mean, it seems to be where everything is moving. So ahead of the curve on that. 
Um, can you share any stories about things going especially wrong while podcasting? I mean, I, I know a few of my own, but I'd love to hear yours. Oh yeah. Most recently, um, I was interviewing Colleen Quigley and we were having an amazing conversation, just lovely. And I looked up and I was like, oh, you're not recording. And just, I was like, no, I was like, I'm a black woman in this industry. I don't usually get second chances. And she's like, it's okay. She was like, maybe we can do it again tomorrow. And I was like, you can? And I was like, okay, great. And the next day it was even better than the first. And we literally talked for hours, you know, just had a good conversation because we went to school in Tallahassee. We had so many points of intersection and it was really good. But that is the most notable one where I recorded. We literally got like almost 45 minutes in and had not pressed the record button. Worst nightmare, every podcaster's worst nightmare, but we have all been there. Have there been any guests who were surprisingly good aside from Colleen, of course? Surprisingly good? No, all of my guests are absolutely incredible and offer something so different. I think I have a very diverse set of people that I asked to come on and everyone's story is so powerful that they're all, I'm always in awe of all of my guests. I really am. And I think you recently launched a partnership with Fund Her Try. So can you talk to us about that? Fund Her Try is just, their goal is to get more women to every start line. As a woman podcaster, it was a natural fit for us. And a friend of our, well, a friend of mine, Michael Shep, who was at the time working with Athletic Brewing Company, uh, was giving them some money. And he was like, hey, you know, you're looking to gain some interest with beginner and women have you heard of Mashonda? Maybe this is an opportunity. Lynn and I had been in contact. You know that story about not being able to, what is it, uh, come on the podcast. Timing didn't work out, but I had reached out to her because I had heard of her story and fund her try and wanted her on the podcast. Timing didn't work out, but then full circle and earlier this year, we were able to record and then have that partnership. And so I think timing is everything and the perfect time worked out. And so with them, we've just been working with them to increase their exposure and to get them into front of audiences that they may not have the awareness or the opportunities to be in front of. It's particularly black and brown women. So in addition to racing and podcasting, you're also in the endurance sports world as an announcer. And you did share on your show the story of how you became an announcer. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a great lesson in kind of shooting your shot because this is something you went out. No one asked you. No one just came up to you and asked you to do it. You went out and chased that down. Can you share a little bit of that story for our listeners? Oh, absolutely. I was doing my first first long distance uh, at Patriots with Kinetic Multisport and At the end, you know, I'm a back of the packer. And so as I was finishing, some of my teammates were talking to the announcer. His name is Ken Berger. And so Ken was like, yeah, you know, it's time to diversify this field. I want to look for more women, you know, just get people in my announcer pool that look other than me. And they told me we were, you know, recovering in the hot tub. And they were like, hey, Mashonda, you may want to do this announcing thing. I'm like, sure. So I go back the next day because I found out I placed third in my category and I talked to him about it. He was like, okay, sure. Shoot shoot me. He gave me his card. If you know, Ken, you know, Ken, he gave me his card. He's like, send me an email. Let me know your spill. Later that week, he called me and was like, Hey, can you come to, uh, the race escapes me, um, at the time, but it was some in deep Creek, Maryland. 
And Savage I was like, Man, right? Savage, Savage Man, Man, yes, yes. Thank you for telling my story. Cause I'm like, oh, I can't remember, Savage Man. And uh, he was like, you know, this is what I can do for you, just come up. And I didn't want to go, cause I was like, one, I didn't have like a, a car at the time. And I was like, okay, fine. Mashonda, try, go out there, just take the risk. I did. We were on um, this hill and I said something and he looks at me and he's like, oh, it was my voice, what I said. And I said, mold the wall. I was like, this such, such and such athlete, you mold that wall. And he looked at me. He's like, she said mold. Like, where does someone say mold? I don't even know where, I don't even talk like mold the wall. I don't talk <laughs> like that. Um, but that was the start. And he was like, well, the season is over. I don't have anything for you, but maybe come back again next year. And because I live in the DC area, he was coming to do Marine Corps Marathon. And I came and shadowed him doing Marine Corps Marathon and Army 10 Miler. And then from there, it's just been growing and growing ever since. So it's, I've been an announcer for about five years. And so when you work as an announcer, how does that compare to racing an event? Do you get nervous? Do you, do you get tired? And uh, do you evaluate performance after, you know, like you would a race? Absolutely. Do I get tired? No. I no. do not get tired. No, 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 no. My energy level is on 1000. I mean, like right now I'm trying to contain myself because I'm like, I don't know, Mashonda, it's like, keep it in the box, keep it in the box. But I have so much energy. And so when I'm out there, I just go and it's like, I get energy from sources that I don't even know where it's coming from because I love doing that. I love encouraging people. And so now, do I evaluate experiences? Absolutely. Like I am so hard on myself. I try not to be too critical because I don't think that's, you know, that's not fruitful, but I do like say, okay, Mashana, why did you say that? I'm very witty. So sometimes I say things that I don't think that I'm saying and they come out before I say it. So I'm like, gosh, you shouldn't have said that. Or you could have said this differently, but yes, I evaluate that all the time. The longest race I think I've called is probably a mid-course or a mid-course 70.3 for a non-Ironman branded race. And so I have so much energy. I have to literally do breath exercises to literally calm down because I can keep going. It's, it's a whole thing. And that's probably like eight hours of announcing. I mean, that's eight hours of talking because you're there going or even more because you're there before the race starts. Oh yeah. And then you're there till the final finisher. Absolutely. And awards. <laughs> Absolutely. And the final finisher, what they get the most, because I, from experience, I know what that person could be going through. I know what they are experiencing and what it's taking them to get to that finish line. So absolutely. I dance. I love to dance. You catch me doing a nice body roll. I have fun. It's an experience. And um, I love what I get an opportunity to do. And one of the biggest hurdles for beginner triathletes is the cost of the sport. So whether that's the gear, the entries, the time it takes to train, um, the list of expenses yeah. often seems endless. And I think throughout your place in the sport, either as an athlete and as a podcaster, you have kind of carved out a niche of, of, of being able to give advice on how to do triathlon on a budget. Uh, can you share some of your favorite cost savings tips? Of course, it's always good to hashtag try on a budget. A lot of things, ask around. There's someone who has something and they're always willing to share. Like my first bike was a bike that uh, I borrowed from my spin coach. And my second bike, the bike that you see right here on the trainer, is a bike that I paid $500 for from a teammate. Um, try suits, uh, you can't technically share, but you should share if they're, ha you know, if someone has one, 
ask somebody for it and say, hey, you know, can I have that? Or do you know where I can get it at a low cost? I am a budget shopper. So I go on websites and I look at sale prices. Shop on sale, shop on clearance. That's the best deal. Um, And asking people for where they get things from, whether it's swim outlet to get your swim gear from, going to bike, your bike preference, whether it's Parazumi or Varlo, and looking to see where they have in that clearance section. The problem is, as a full-figure woman, it's very hard to find some of the better deals because not a lot of brands offer sizes. And if they do offer the sizes, it's a very limited quantity. So it's not always accessible in terms of running, get with the run club and, you know, you'll start to find and meet people who has shoes they're passed down and not that they're super warm with mileage, but you just start to figure out ways to do things. Nutrition, because nutrition is an expensive cost as well. Once you start to increase. And even today, I am very mindful of the cost of the things that I pay for, because I understand that once you get to the race, you got to think about housing. You got to think about food when you get there. So teaming up with people for a hotel, teaming up with people for an Airbnb, saving costs with gas, riding with people together, you know, like in my car, I didn't think about when I bought my bike rack, I said, Michonne, to get a three bike rack, because maybe somebody else will need to have a ride as well. My bike trainer that I got, I had a wheel on bike trainer that I bought for $50. And then I was able to upgrade during the pandemic. But they were like, well, we only have this one. This is our floor model. I was like, okay, well, I'll take the floor model. And then I began to negotiate the rate that was right for me. And they gave me the rate that I wanted to pay. So I'm good at negotiating the things that I want and need. And then because of my faith, I'm also given a lot of things as well. So I am very grateful. I give a lot and I receive a lot as well. Your faith and spirituality seem to play a a pretty big role in your life and your triathlon life. So I was curious about how your faith has helped you get to the start and finish line of races, put out a podcast or, or keep up the big energy for a big day of announcing. But how does your faith play into your triathlon life? I mean, it's everything. I, it's the pillar of who I am. When I think about God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, I think about swim, bike, run. It's three and three. So to me, it's like an opportunity where I get to do this. Like I don't have to. It's a choice. And so in that choice, because I am rooted in deeply in my faith, I take it everywhere with me. So anything that I'm doing from my podcast to announcing Everything I do is rooted in my faith, period. Whether the outcome is good or it's bad, it's rooted in my faith. Like I was thinking about that because I knew that this conversation or the Maryland would come up and I was like, man, what is it? So I'm always thinking about that experience and thinking about why things happen the way that they do. And so for me, it's an opportunity to see that when we are going through our experiences, We are the sum total of everything that we've experienced, whether it's good or it's bad. It helps to propel us, but it's also there to help root us and make us better. And for me, my faith makes me better. I get an opportunity to do things better because I'm rooted in what I believe in and in Jesus and, you know, God being my father and the Holy Spirit guiding me and being able to. Now, let me just say, do I make mistakes? Absolutely. Do I do things that may not be pleasing as well? Yes. But guess what? By grace, 
And I extend the same grace that I would want someone to extend me because I haven't always said the right things or done the right things or been the person I am today. I'm evolving and I grow. And every time that I get to breathe, I get to breathe in his breath presence, which allows me to do the things that I'm able to do. So it's everything to me. I would be, I wouldn't be the person I am today without my faith. Earlier, you mentioned uh, your modeling, and I know you you have a love for fashion and accessories. Do you have a, a favorite or a least favorite bit of triathlon fashion? Are there any any trends that you love and any trends that you absolutely hate? I mean, well, triathlon is that fashionable. Let's just be real, okay? <laughs> like it's it's not that fashionable. And the one thing I do to kind of make it fashionable for me is put on lipstick. Like lipstick is my power, right? Like I love lipstick. So I think that that dresses up anything. Do you put it on before the start of a race? Is this in training? Are you putting it on in transition? It depends on where, you know, where it's at. Like it, it just depends. But usually I try to put it on like before a race. Um, I wear a lipstick that doesn't really wear off. So it's really, it's nice. It's a nice lip paint. But fashion, I hate the onesies. I absolutely hate them. I absolutely hate them. I mean, think about, uh, <laughs> you can feel like a stuffed sausage. Like I'm a, I'm a well-rounded, full-figured woman. I got curves in all the good places, right? So I am often uncomfortable, especially with the two pieces. I really, because the two pieces will roll up and then, oh, you're giving me, um, Yes. So I don't really have any. I love this feedback. Tips. I mean, what should we be doing different? You know, like, how do we solve these issues? I, we'll see. It's up to the apparel we'll companies. See. The challenge you is know, out there. I think some brands are doing it and they're doing it well, for sure. I think some brands, they have just enough Lycra and spandex in the right places that makes some of the kits more figuring and flattering for various body types. So I think that's a start. I mean, it's spandex. What, how much can you do with spandex? I think what I see is like beautiful is just a woman out there racing. I don't think I'm like judging the lines on her kit exactly, but I do also believe that if you feel like you look good, you're going to race better and you're going to feel better and you're more likely to get out there. So I do think it's important to get that kind of feedback. What, what is going to make people feel better and might help get more people on that starting line because they're not so worried about looking ridiculous, even though, I mean, triathlon is a little ridiculous. Absolutely. And so I used to be a fit model for Spanx back in the day before like Sarah Blank, you know, before Sarah took it, you know, into a different level. And I appreciate when we had to wear things, they would really ask our opinion. I think if companies really want to do market share, they need to get with people with different body size and really do some testing to ask them, what do you feel like? How does this work? Do some testing. And I think that will be helpful. However, I think a lot of brands don't want to focus on people with larger bodies because it's more expensive. So it is an investment. But if we look at the trend of fashion, we're seeing that Americans aren't the same size that they were in the 1940s or 1950s. And you progressively have seen body types fluctuate and the average fluctuate with time and fashion. So like now a lot of companies, I just saw something from New York and company, New York and company used to only go up to a size, what, 14. And now they've expanded to plus because the world is changing. Companies and brands have to evolve if they want to maintain market share, brand alliance, and be trusted. 
And often those investments, they do pay off. Um, I think that's, that's something we have seen. You, you've talked to so many beginners and you know, some of the the hurdles that keep people out of the sport. We talked about the cost. We talked about the fashion. Um, do you have advice for those of us who are, who are veterans on how we can be more welcoming to, to beginners? Because that is, that's the only way this sport is going to continue. We had like Rocky Harris said, we need, we need beginners. We need the sport to grow. I think one of the best ways to be welcoming is to just be welcoming and not be jerks. There are a lot of people who forget what it's like to be a beginner, but we all have a first story. And so whether you are a super athlete or not, there was a point in time where you were scared or you tried something new for the first time and you didn't have all the answers. So don't approach a beginner as if they should know all the answers. Help them. If you see someone in transition who's looking scared, say, hey, how are you? Do you need any help? How can I help you? We we got to get out of our own circles and our own minds of thinking that they should just know. It's not that case. And I think that's one of the biggest things I hear from beginners that may not make it. Um, just like when we're having just general conversation is that some people are really nice, but then some people are not friendly. Like if you see someone that's riding in the road and you see that they are riding to the left, just say, Hey, get over to your right. You should pass on your left, but ride on your right and not be like, what the heck? You know how some people can do be kind, be kind in your approach to beginners because that experience they will remember over and over again. And so I think it's important that we just put ourselves in that person's shoes to remember that they are a beginner. They don't know what they don't know. Right. This is important to remember this time of year as uh, I think a lot of people start looking at the calendar. Are you someone who sets New Year's resolutions? I used to be a resolutioner. Now I just resolve to be good, better every day. And I've taken it into smaller chunks. So for me, I look at things from a monthly perspective because sometimes <laughs> through my lived experiences, one incident can change the course of your whole life. Right. And so in 21, I said, okay, this yearly thing, you can have a plan at the beginning of the year and it can be completely be like thrown out the window. And so for me, I just take it month by month and just be like, okay, what am what, what are the goals I want to accomplish this month? And then ultimately I do have some stretch goals that I put out there, but I just work them uh, from a monthly perspective now. I like the monthly perspective. My uh, 2023 resolution was to uh, log on to Facebook and I have yet to do it. <laughs> I know I have a, like a million, like I have messages, all that, and they're very kind. I just yeah. get so overwhelmed and I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to be the year. And then I'm, I'm sorry. I am not I, at that. <laughs> sorry hey, to I anyone who has done that. <laughs> I am notorious for not responding. I think that's one of my toxic traits is I cannot keep up between Facebook, Instagram, my personal email. It overwhelms me. Social media overwhelms me. So like the month of October, my challenge was post something once a day. That's it. Just post something once a day. I wanted to keep that going because it felt good to post once a day. And I was like, oh, so now I get to do this plank challenge. And so I'm doing a plank challenge and I'm like, well, that you're posting once a day. And it makes me post once a day because otherwise I can forget about social media and not do it at all. But I have to because of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, it does make a difference, but I'm there with you. 
we know we can find you on the Try Beginner's Luck podcast. Uh, it sounds like we can find you on your own social every single day, which is very impressive, as long as you feel like it's healthy to keep that up. But do you know where people might be able to see you in, or hear you in person announcing or racing in 2024? Um, I do know one place that people can find me, and I think that they should, will be January 5th, 6th, and 7th in Charlotte with Endurance Exchange. I think Endurance Exchange is a great place, not only for coaches, race directors, and those who are on the business side, but also for athletes to come and to learn and to grow. So Endurance Exchange will be here. I will be the MC this year again. So I'm glad that they invited me back because they didn't have to, but I'm grateful. So thank you to USA Triathlon for asking me back this year. So I will be in Charlotte at the start of the year. I'm sure they invited you because you do a great job. And I know that Feisty is doing, Feisty Media is doing a a bit with the Outspoken Summit ahead of Endurix Exchange. So hopefully a lot of our listeners are there. Maybe they come say hi in person. It has been so great having you on the show today, Mashonda. We will be sure to link to Try Beginner's Luck and all of your social media. And Try Beginner's Luck does have a very distinct and special sign off on all of your episodes. And I was just wondering if maybe you would do the honor here for us today. Of course. Well, Whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. I'm Ashonda, and we're out. Peace. Happy New Year, Iron Women podcast listeners. For those of you new to the show, we want to tell you about Pillar. Pillar is a sports micronutrition company who have developed products that intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes. The easiest way to describe it is hydration and carbohydrates products that will take you through to the finish line. Pillar's mission is to get athletes to the start line in the best condition over and over again. After seeing athletes like 2022 Ironman world champion Chelsea Sidero and 2016 Olympic gold medalist Gwen Jorgensen post about using Pillar to improve their sleep performance, I decided to give Pillar triple magnesium a try. I take it about 60 minutes before bed and I do actually feel like I sleep deeper and recover better. In the same way I love to start my day with a coffee, I now wind it down with a cup of Pillar Triple Magnesium and recover better for tomorrow's training. If you would like to make Pillar part of your 2024 New Year routine and you're in the US, head to thefeed.com slash Pillar and enter code Feisty for 15% off of your first purchase. For our international listeners, head to PillarPerformance.shop, and that's code FEISTY for 15% off of all first-time purchases. If you are at USAT's Endurance Exchange Conference this weekend, be sure to say hi to Mashonda and wherever you are. You can check out the Try Beginner's Luck podcast. Mashonda recently featured 70.3 world champion, fourth place Kona finisher, and the first woman to qualify for Team USA in the triathlon and will be racing in Paris this summer, Taylor Nib. So that's a conversation that's very much worth a listen. Haley, you and Mashonda talked a bit about New Year's resolutions. Do you have any? Alyssa, I think I'm going to go with what she said about being kind. And I mean, she said it in the in the context of being kind to beginners in the sport and other people. And I think that is always good. I think it's good to be kind to a lot of people who are beginning new things. But I think it's also good to be kind to our own selves. Um, I think coming out of being a little bit ill at the end of the year, I'm extra grateful for my health and the things that I'm able to do. And I'm just going to appreciate that a little bit more than I have in the past and 
and appreciate whatever performances that I have this weekend at the Dopey Challenge. Oh, I love it. I love it. How about uh, you? Are any New Year's resolutions for you? I do. I have a couple. Mine are like, mine are not along. Mine are not as gracious, maybe as being more kind. But um, so I have two. And my first is to try and cut back on the amount of orders I have from Amazon through the year. And so, I mean, I have no idea if I order from Amazon a lot or a little, but I feel like I do it too much because quite often I feel like I'm ordering things that I could purchase locally. And so I looked and last year it said I had 62 Amazon orders and that, I mean, sometimes obviously there's like multiple things in the order, but 62 overall orders. So my goal is to like do 50% of that. So 31 or less this year and see what I can do. And then my other goal, and this one might not, this is like a soft goal, but I'm going to try it is to not purchase new clothes and I'll like check in every quarter and assess how this is going. So like I can shop on Poshmark if I want or like gear trade or like used, like, you know, Patagonia has like the used gear thing, right? Because I mean, it is very apparent to me looking at my closet right now that I don't need any new clothes. And so if I like desperately have an itch for something or really want it, then I can try and find it used. But otherwise I want to try and use what I have more this year. And so that's, those are my two resolutions, but I'm those always kind of ones. like, they're very measurable. I feel like yeah, the, the Amazon the end of the year one, especially, and... I think, well, obviously the clothes. I didn't too, know you Amazon could just like yeah. see how many orders you had. I wonder, I don't order from Amazon very frequently. I love, I, I love walking cowboy to like the hardware store and like, cause they let dogs in and they give dogs treats. And so we'll go buy our stuff there. A lot of the times um, there are products, like you said, that are hard to get elsewhere, but for the most part, it, it is kind of fun to shop local. It is. It is. So I'm looking forward to it. I think those will be fun and like non-consequential consequential. If I don't meet it, it's not the end of the world. I can just keep striving to do it a little better the next time. Right. You know, Ann Patchett, one of my, our favorite yeah. authors, uh -huh. she has a really good essay in these precious days about going a year without buying new clothes. I think you could, I should reread it. I think I did. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've read it, but I need to re revisit it because I'm going to need all the it was, I can for this. It was one of the times where I was like, I, I do not identify with Anne in this <laughs> essay. <laughs> I'm like, we are very different in this because that is something I don't. Oh man, good luck to you on that one. But yeah, just wait um, because usually when I try and stop buying things myself, it means I'm shopping for friends. So I'll be like sending you links and being like, Haley, you should buy this. This has your name all over it. And it's like, because it is, it's that same like thrill, right? Of being like, oh, something was, you know, got new. Like I get it from that. So yeah, just beware. <laughs> These are great, great things for us to be starting this new 2024 year uh, with. And Alyssa, it's been great catching up with you. Happy new year. And I'll talk to you next week. Good luck in Florida, Haley. Have so much fun. Can't wait to hear about it. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Atitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.